0: In our Old Testament reading for today, the prophet Elijah is feeling very discouraged about what's happening in the nation of Israel. And then God comes to him in a low whisper and reminds him he is not alone, and then calls him to return to his ministry. A reading from 1 Corinthians, the 19th chapter. Behold, the the word of the Lord came to him, and he said to him, "'What are you doing here, Elijah?' He said, I have been very jealous for the Lord, the God of hosts, for the people of Israel have forsaken your covenant, thrown down your altars, killed your prophets with the sword, and I, even I only, am left, and they seek my life to take it away. And he said, go and stand on the mount before the Lord, and behold, the Lord passed by, and a great strong wind tore the mountain and broke in pieces the rocks before the Lord I've been very jealous for the Lord, the God of hosts, for the people of Israel have forsaken your covenant. They've thrown down your altars and killed your prophets with the sword. And I, even I only am left, and they seek my life to take it away. The Lord said to him, go, return on your way to the wilderness of Damascus, and when you arrive, you shall anoint Haziel to be king over Syria. And Yehu, the son of Nimshi, you shall anoint to be king over Israel. And Elisha, Elisha the son of Shaphat of abel mahola you shall point anoint to be prophet in your place. And the one who escapes from the sword of Haziel shall Yehu put to death. And the one who escapes from the sword of Yehu shall Elisha put to death. Yet I will leave 7,000 in Israel, all the knees that have not bowed it to Baal, and every mouth that has not kissed him. And so he departed, and there found Elisha, the son of Shaphat, who was plowing with 12 yoke of oxen in front of him, and he was with the twelfth. Elijah passed by him and cast his cloak upon him. And he left the oxen and ran after Elijah and said, Let me kiss my father and my mother, and then I will follow you. And he said to him, Go back again, for what have I done to you? And he returned from following him and took the yoke of oxen and sacrificed them and boiled their flesh with the yokes of the oxen and gave it to the people, and they ate. And then he arose and went after Elijah and assisted him. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Second reading is the text for today's message from Colossians, the first chapter. Jesus is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. For by him all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities. All things were created through him and for him and of which I, Paul, became a minister. This is the word of the Lord. We stand to honor the person and the work of Jesus as it's recorded for us in the Holy Gospel. After being rejected by the people of a Samaritan village, Jesus teaches his followers that the cost of discipleship is high and that it is only by God's power that we are able to serve faithfully. The Holy Gospel, according to St. Luke, the ninth chapter, When the days drew near for him to be taken up, he set his face to go to Jerusalem. And he sent messengers ahead of him who went and entered a village of the Samaritans to make preparations for him. But the people did not receive him because his face was set toward Jerusalem. When his disciples, James and John, saw it, they said, Lord, do you want us to tell fire to come down from heaven and consume them? Jesus turned and rebuked them. And they went on to another village. And as they were going along the road, someone said to him, I will follow you wherever you go. Jesus said to him, Foxes have holes and birds of the air have nests, but the son of man has nowhere to lay his head. To another, he said, Follow me. But he said, Lord, let me first go and bury my father. And Jesus said to him, Let the dead bury their own dead but as for you, go and proclaim the kingdom of God. Yet another said, I will follow you, Lord, but let me first say farewell to those at my home. Jesus said to him, no one who puts his hand to the plow and looks back is fit for the kingdom of God. This is the gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, O Christ.
1: Grace and peace to you from our God, our Father, and our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. You know, we continue our walk with Jesus today as we continue in our study of Paul's letter to the church in Colossae. In the first week of our walk with Jesus, we examined the opening of this letter, asking you to consider Paul's greeting and his prayer and his thanksgiving for the church these three things actually revealed our family unity and of course our new reality in Jesus Christ we learned that on this walk with Jesus we're not alone there are plenty of us on the same path and not only do we have Jesus well we have each other in our faith The faith that rests on nothing less than Jesus Christ actually does bear the fruit of love both to God and for one another. Now last week we heard Paul reveal the reason for this letter that the Colossians might continue to walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing to him, bearing fruit in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God, all the while being strengthened with all power according to his glorious might. For all endurance and patience with joy. In other words, continue to walk together in this new reality and the true hope that they have in Jesus alone. Now, today in our lesson, Paul continues his exhortation to the Colossians, encouraging them to continue in the faith, stable and steadfast, not shifting. From the hope of the gospel that they have heard. In other words, your walk of faith in Jesus Christ must be in Christ alone. Do not stray from this path that is not Jesus Christ because that path leads to death. So to aid them in their walk with Jesus, he delivers to the church in Colossae and to us today. The big picture. Now, what do I mean by the big picture? Well, the big picture is sometimes a picture, but more often than not, it is a general overview that seeks to encapsulate certain truths that provide the framework and the foundation for all that proceeds from it. So to aid us in this idea of the big picture, I offer the following. Who here has put a puzzle together? Raise your hand. Should be just about every hand, I would think. After all, we're all in this together. Now, if I were to ask you, how do you proceed when you start to put a puzzle together? Some of you are going to answer, well, you just pour out all the pieces on the table and then turn them all right side up and get started. And some will say that they organize these pieces, some by color, some by size, some by shape. And then some are like me, they just ignore anything that looks like a process and just hunt for the edge pieces and then just get started. But believe it or not, you didn't start your puzzle with any of those things. Whether you know it or not, you started that puzzle with the picture on the box. It was the picture that actually drew you to the puzzle. It was the picture that actually drives your decisions on how to organize things. It's the picture that aids you in determining what is the next step. And it's the picture you turn to every time you get stuck when you realize, oh, my plan isn't working. The picture is the big picture. It is your single point of reference that you turn to while you're building the puzzle. Now, a picture puzzle is just a puzzle. And although it might seem like a mystery when you pour out all of those pieces on the tabletop, it is a solvable mystery that will just take some time and perhaps a little bit of patience. The important takeaway here is that that picture on the box, well, that gives you a solid, unchanging point of reference to which you can now refer to as you put the puzzle together. Jesus is not a puzzle. He is our unchanging Lord and Savior who is our salvation and our eternal life. In Jesus alone we find our new reality as redeemed children of the Father. Our mere mortal minds will never unravel all that is Jesus, for there are a number of mysteries contained herein that we will always ponder. But Paul gives us this big picture of Jesus Christ because it does provide that framework surrounding our salvation and justification in Jesus. And it boldly proclaims that Jesus is not only our creator, but the very foundation of our faith and life together. To abandon this foundation or to alter it by adding to it or subtracting from it Well, it is that road that leads to death. Let's hear again what Paul writes to us today. Jesus is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. For by him all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things were created through him and for him. And he is before all things, and in him all things hold together. Here Paul proclaims clearly that Jesus is the creator of all things, the heavens and the earth, the visible and the invisible. Kind of sounds like a creed, doesn't it? Additionally, he says all things are created for Him. Does this mean what you think it means? Why, yes. You were created for the one and only transcendent God who is before all things and above all things. He's not part of creation, He is our Creator. He is also the imminent God, the one who is with us in every moment of every day, the one who is holding creation all together. You were created by God for God. Do you have now just an inkling of how much Jesus loves you? But wait. There is more, for Paul continues, And he is the head of the body of the church. He is the beginning, the firstborn of the dead, that in everything he might be preeminent. For in him all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell. Jesus is the head of the church. He was the firstborn raised from the grave who will never again die. And all of this means that Jesus has a dual nature. He is both true man and true God. This is not to say that the divine nature of Jesus is transformed into a human nature, but that the two unaltered natures are personally united in Jesus Christ. All of these are sure and certain statements of who Jesus is, but there is such a mystery here to ponder. But wait, there's more. For Paul continues, And through him to reconcile himself to all things, whether on earth or in heaven, making peace by the blood of his cross. One simple verse, Paul reveals that Jesus has reconciled us to the Father. Therefore, since they now have it all from the one who created all for himself, they should walk on this path that is Jesus Christ and not depart from it. So, what is the reason for this big picture summary of Jesus? Well, it turns out this is the foundation of this entire letter. Every correction, admonition, and exhortation from Paul in this letter will proceed from this foundational big picture of Jesus and our new reality in him. For much like us, the Colossian church lives in a pantheistic culture. There are many things that are vying for them seeking them to draw them away in worship. There are people who want to add what Jesus has done for them. There are people who seek to draw them away from Jesus. So Paul bids the church to cling to this solid, unchanging picture of Jesus Christ that enumerates not only their eternal reality, which they now live in rest, but their salvation and eternal life. When they are challenged by their culture or confused as to what to do next, they can turn and look again at this big picture of Christ to aid them. For this picture proclaims Jesus as the eternal Son of God, their Creator and their Redeemer. As such, it encourages the Colossians to remain steadfast on this path of faith. Because Christ, the one whom they worship, is above all. I listened to a person this week reveal many thoughts one that is probably encapsulated all of these thoughts together is that they thought they were living in two different worlds It seems they felt that they used to have time to make future plans and to work towards goals, but now they seem to be spending all of their time worried about gas, inflation, and what their children are being exposed to in school. I was struck by the comment that they felt that they had raised their children for a world that is now gone. With all that is going on, they found that they were grouchy most of the time. And they just hated being that way. In a nutshell, they were seeking some peace. They needed to turn back to that big picture. Does all that is happening in our world generally and in your life specifically have you weighed down to the point that you feel like giving up Why? Why are you surprised that the world would be at enmity with you? Have you not heard that your true inheritance is not of this world, but of the next? Have you forgotten that you have Jesus Christ now and forever? Has your fallen nature caused you to turn so inward again that you have forgotten That Jesus is your creator. He made you for himself. He loves you and has given his very life to redeem you from the grave. The body of death that is your sin. I urge you this week to turn again to this text and look again at the big picture that is Jesus Christ. It will help you. Are you listening to a voice that claims you have to add something more to Jesus Christ to be saved? Or maybe you are hearing something in your ears that is begging you to replace Jesus with something else. Our willing and itchy ears are as easily distracted by the things of this world, so it is so easy to put something else in place of Jesus. But when you recognize these temptations, turn again and look at the big picture that is Jesus Christ. Open up your Bible to Colossians chapter 1 and read these nine simple verses. Better yet, print it out. Fold it up, put it in your wallet, put it in your purse, and take it with you. And when you feel that you're being tempted, pull it out and read it again. See again the big picture. See the transcendent and the eminent God who is not only above all things, but in all things and with you always. And then pause. Pause to look at that picture and see the mysteries that are Encapsulated in Jesus Christ. There is a great exchange going on here between Jesus and us. He takes away our sins and we receive his righteousness. He gives us life and we give him death. We spend much of our lives seeking peace, desiring peace, and working for peace. And those things are not bad. We should always be seeking, desiring, and working for peace. But our reality in Jesus Christ is that we have peace with God now. Nothing but Jesus gives us peace with the Father. Nothing else in this life needs to be added to Jesus Christ to make our righteousness before the Father more perfect. For Jesus is sufficient and complete. You heard it at the cross. It is finished. If you, like me, might be having trouble seeing that sometimes, or maybe even today, turn again and look at the big picture that Paul gives us. Be thankful for the mysteries that are found within this picture, for these mysteries will continue to draw you into his story and to remind you that it is only God himself who could accomplish both your creation and your redemption. Now, as we continue our sermon series, Walking with Jesus, in this trip through Colossians, you will find yourself being drawn back again and again to this big picture of Jesus Christ that Paul has shared. And when you are, pause. Look again. Look again at your new reality in Jesus Christ then give thanks to God. Amen. Now, the peace that passes all understanding keep your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Amen.